right, who wants to read verses 1 through 11? Okay. And who wants to read the rest of the chapter, verses 12 through 23? I'll do it. Great. So, Jim, you can get started. Okay. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to the Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go, so that they may hold a festival to the new Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. Then they said, oh, The God of the Hebrews has led with us. Now let us take a three day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord of God, where he may strike us with plagues and with the sword. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to the, your work. Then Pharaoh said, Look, the people of the land are now numerous, and you are stopping them from working. That same day, Pharaoh gave this, gave this order to the slave drivers and the foreman in charge of the people, who were no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks, let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before, and don't reduce the quota. They are lazy, that is why they are crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the, make the work harder for the men so they will keep working and pay no attention to lies. Then the slave drivers and the foreman went to the people and said, went out and said to the people, This is what Pharaoh says, I will not give you any more straw. Go and let you go and get your own straw wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced at all. Next, yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So all the people scattered through all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters pressed them, saying, Complete your work quota, your daily amount, just as when you had straw. Moreover, the torment of the son of Israel, whose Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were eaten and were asked, Why have you not completed your required amount either yesterday or today? in making brick as previously. Then the foreman of the son of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, Why do you deal this way with your uh, servants? There's no straw given to your servants. Yet they keep saying to us, Make bricks, and behold, your servants are being eaten. But it is the fault of your own people. But he said, You're lazy, very lazy. Therefore, you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. So go now and work, for you will be given no straw. Yet you must deliver the quota of bricks. The foreman of the son of Israel saw that they were in trouble because they were told, you must not reduce your daily amount of bricks. When they left Pharaoh's presence, they met Moses and Aaron as they were waiting for them. They said to them, May the Lord look upon you and judge you, for you have made us odious in Pharaoh's sight and in the sight of his servants, to put a sword in their hand to kill us. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, why have you brought harm to the, these people? Why did you ever send me? 
Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done harm to his people, and you have not delivered your people at all. So by way of review, if you guys remember chapter 1, uh, Moses was set the stage for Exodus. Pharaoh, along with Egypt, no longer views Israel as, uh, as a friend. We saw how God multiplies the seed of Abraham uh, according to the Abrahamic covenant, covenant to, to such a degree where the, the population explosion threatens the, the safety or the mental safety of Israel's host country. And it's, it's, in order to, to suppress this growth, Pharaoh decrees this forced conscription of labor. Uh, uh, and, and, and we found out, like, how, how does that work for, for Pharaoh? Well, Exodus one twelve said, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied. And so the dread of, 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 of this continual multiplication of the population of Israel provokes uh, Pharaoh to issue a second decree to have all the sons born to Israelites killed upon birth. This is an order given to the midwives of Israel. The midwives refuse to obey that order. And Pharaoh is once again defeated by these two lowly midwives. And so then Pharaoh takes an even a more drastic step further, and he and what does he do? He commands the people to uh, drown every he- uh, Hebrew boy into the Nile. In chapter 2, what, what happens after that? Uh, Pharaoh's own daughter disobeys Pharaoh. Even Pharaoh's daughter won't listen to him as she rescues Moses from the Nile. And, 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 we, and, we, and we continue to learn just how impotent this Pharaoh is. Uh, in chapter 2, Moses described the salvation uh, of a, a deliverer through this mini ark. And then uh, he, in chapter two, there was the, the description of the raising up of this deliverer. We were introduced to the, the doctrine of corporate solidarity in this chapter. Before Moses can be Israel's deliverer, he must be one with them. He must uh, shed outside his, uh, the royalty of his Egyptian identity and he must become like his people, the Hebrews. Uh, we, 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 in chapter two, we, we were beginning to see how Exodus is the, it's the, it's a, it's the theology of scripture. It's the cornerstone of theology. It's the cornerstone of, of the theology of scripture. Uh, in chapter three, three, we saw the, the theology of, of Yahweh's name. Uh, God reveals his name to Moses. And, and, and this, from this point onward, from chapter three to the end of Exodus, uh, God will, ref, will reveal more of what his name Yahweh means. Uh, chapter 4 was the response to all that chapters 1 through 3 contained. Um, Moses begins the chapter with, you know what, uh, Yahweh, when I go back to uh, Egypt, I, I have a feeling they're not going to listen to me. And so um, God uh, agrees with Moses. He gives them Three, gives him three signs to give to Israel, and we saw that we learned that you know two you need two or three witnesses to establish a guilt, and so God is going to use these three signs and wonders as witnesses to establish the guilt of Israel's unbelief. Uh, Moses doesn't want to do what God says; he has a hard mouth. He said uh, the text says, and and we learn how it has nothing to do with. Moses has, doesn't have a stuttering problem. He doesn't have a, a speech problem. Mo, Moses has a, a faith problem. And we were introduced to the doctrine of inspiration, that whatever God says to Moses or to Aaron or to every to anybody, that is God's authoritative word. Even though it's a human messenger, uh, if God says says to someone to tell it to others, 
That is God's perfect, inerrant, inspired revelation. And so Moses reluctantly heads back to Egypt, more of a Hebrew than than he's ever been, but he's still struggling to to fully accept his Hebrew identity, as we see in, in in his reluctance to circumcise his firstborn son. When they get to Egypt, Moses and Aaron go to Israel. They tell them that Yahweh is their God. And do they believe God's word through the mouth of Moses? No. Moses needs to give these three signs because the word of God isn't enough for Israel. And chapter 4 ended with verse 31 and it ended with these words. So the people believe. So the people believe. And so tonight we're going we're gonna to find out in chapter 5 we're going to find out two big things, two big main points. Uh, God's name, Yahweh, will be further revealed. And in chapter 5, we're going to find out, does, does Israel truly believe? I mean, that's how it ended in chapter 4, but do they really believe? Is this, a, is this faith genuine, or is this a kind of a surface-level faith? Uh, for that matter, chapters 4, 5, and 6 will, will answer that question. Does, does Israel truly believe in Yahweh? Do they really have saving faith in Yahweh's name? So we begin in, in verse 1, and, and Moses and Aaron, they come and they say to Pharaoh, Thus says Yahweh, the, the God of Israel, let my people go so that they may celebrate a feast to me in the, in the wilderness. So, so in verse 1, what is the kind of the, the big piece of uh, information that Moses and Aaron uh, say to Pharaoh? What, what is... What is Pharaoh uh, hearing for the first time? What is Pharaoh learning for the first time in verse 1? What is the Lord? He, he, yeah, he's learning that uh, uh, is the Israel, the God of Israel's name, his name is Yahweh. What else is he learning? He has a people. He has a people. Uh, yes, he has a people, right? No, even worse, the Hebrews are his people. Right, right, good. And where have you heard this phrase before? Thus say it says the Lord. Thus says Yahweh. Where have you heard that before? In the Old Testament. You, you, you hear that often when the prophets speak, right? And when they give a command, when they give a, a, a statement of authority. So Pharaoh, for the first time, is learning that there is a God who has more authority than him, and he needs to submit to this Yahweh. Thus says Yahweh, you need to submit to the word, Pharaoh. This is a standard prophetic message used for the first time here. Um, now, if you notice, though, uh, what is kind of interesting about verse 1, the command? Knowing what you know about Exodus and what happens, what is kind of interesting in verse 1? Or strange, even. What's strange about the command? Knowing what you know about Exodus. Well, God was saying he's going to bring all the people out of Israel permanently. And he's asking here. Right, right. So here it's just a feast, and uh, the, the, the actual desire of God is to to fully emancipate them and uh, bring them into the promised land. And so this is a kind of a Near Eastern style of requesting favors. This is kind of the custom where the initial request would be stated in a, in a modest way, uh, even though you were seeking much more, that even though there was a pursuit of a full permit departure, this is kind of a modest way of, of stating this request. You know, 
you know, I'm, my mother's Korean, and, and even in like Asian cultures, when you want to ask for a lot of money, what do you ask for? Can I have a little bit of money? You know, you, you don't mean a little bit of money. You know, mom, um, I'm going to college. Can I have a little bit of money? No, no, you're not asking for a little bit of money. You're asking for a, a car and, and, and money for four years. And this is kind of uh, what's going on in verse 1. Um, now, in verse 2, uh, Pharaoh responds. And, 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 and before I, we go into this, I have to add one more kind of major thing going on in chapter 5. Uh, yes, the, the big two things are the, the revelation of Yahweh's name. Yes, we're, we're going to answer the question, does, does Israel really believe? But there's, a, there's another a big point that Moses wants to make in chapter 5, and, and that is he wants to prove to the reader just how bad Pharaoh is, right? He wants to convince us that Pharaoh is this really bad guy, that, that in this contest between God and Pharaoh, before we get knee-deep in this contest, as the chapters progress, we need to be convinced just how evil and satanic Pharaoh is, because if you don't uh, uh, get that, you're not going to appreciate the justice of the ten plagues unless you see just how much Pharaoh deserves this justice, right? I think a lot of us make the mistake, like, oh, we have this impression that, oh, Pharaoh's this really nice guy, he's this really sweet man, and God, he hardened Pharaoh's heart. He hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he made him do what he didn't want to do, Moses in chapter five uh, wants to convince us that no, a Pharaoh is a is a real is, is a real stinker. He is a real stinker, and with that, Pharaoh responds in verse two with this defiant question: Who is Yahweh? Who is Yahweh? Remember, in back in uh, chapter three, when the name was revealed, uh, Moses said to God in chapter three thirteen. Behold, I am about to come to the sons of Israel. I will say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to to you. And they will say to me, what is his name? That what, the what, that interrogative is is different than the who. Who, uh, what is a a question of who is God in his nature? The what is the question of what is God's essence? But Pharaoh's response is, who is Who's Yahweh? He doesn't even care about who God is. Yahweh is not even on the radar screen in Pharaoh's mind. Who is who is Yahweh? He he does not only does it does it does he not recognize uh, Yahweh's authority? What does he what does he say in verse two? I do not know Yahweh, and also I will not let Israel go. Uh, two times he he says uh, he doesn't know Yahweh. Who is Yahweh? Verse 2, I don't know Yahweh. Who is this guy? Uh, I'm not going to submit to him. I don't even know who he is. I, I don't even know if this Yahweh exists. I don't know. I, maybe, I don't even think he he's real. And so Pharaoh just shows that just how self-centered he is. He thinks that he's the sovereign one. And with this, and with his refusal to acknowledge the, the, even the existence of Yahweh, we are introduced to a theme that will begin and progress through Exodus with respect to Pharaoh, and it's this. By the time this thing is over, guess what? Pharaoh is going to know who Yahweh is. By the time this is over, he will know what Yahweh's name means. By the way, whose name is given in verse 2? Whose name is given? 
whose name is mentioned in verse 2? God's name, Yahweh. And whose name isn't given? Whose name is never given? Pharaoh's name. See, Pharaoh doesn't never gets a personal name in Exodus. That's how small he is compared to Yahweh. So in comparison to the Pharaoh who did not know Joseph in chapter 1, we now read of a Pharaoh who did not know Yahweh. And Moses and Aaron get their first refusal in verse 2. And there's going to be many more refusals. Verse 3, the, the cowering of Israel and her leaders begins. Uh, in verse 3, uh, they soften their request even more to the point it even, it even seems like begging. Uh, they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. And that was what they were supposed to say, according to chapter 3. Uh, it said in uh, chapter 3, it says, go and gather, I'll bring you out. And then um, verse 18, chapter 3, uh, after you go to the, the elders of Israel, then you'll go to the king of Egypt and you will say, Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, has met us, so now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to Yahweh our God. They, they, they leave out Yahweh's name, though, in, in their request in, in verse 3, chapter 5. And, and then they, they, they add this at the end of verse 3. They say, please let us go to, to the three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to Yahweh our God. And the, the rest of it, God never tells them to say. They add this lest he confront us with pestilence or with the sword. I mean, how is this wrong? Like, what is God going to do if he, a Pharaoh doesn't let Israel go? What is God going to do? Who is he going to confront? Who does he confront? Egyptians. Yeah, <laughs> he confronts them. Not, not Israel, right? And so uh, Moses and Aaron... They, 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 they just, they're afraid. They don't say what needs to be said. Like, you need to let us go or God is going to judge you. But instead, what do they do? If you don't let us go, God's going to judge us. Poor us, please. We appeal to your mercy, O sovereign Pharaoh. In verse 4, Pharaoh totally blows off God. Uh, Moses and Aaron, why do you draw the people away from their work? Go back to your hard labors. This, is, this isn't Yahweh's plan. He doesn't exist. This is your plan, Moses and Aaron. I'm the one in charge. I'm the one in charge here. I'm the sovereign one. And so in verses 5 through 9, uh, this challenge is laid down by Pharaoh to the, to the, to the authority of Yahweh. Verse 5, he said, uh, Pharaoh says, continues, he says to Moses and Aaron, look, the people of the land are now many, and you would have them cease from their hard labors. The, that, word, that, that, uh, that phrase, you would have them cease, is one word in the Hebrew. It's the word Shabbat or Sabbath. He's saying, I'm not going to give you a Sabbath. I'm not going to give you a Sabbath. Yahweh will eventually give the Israelites a Sabbath, one day of rest in a week, but uh, I won't. I won't give you a Sabbath. I won't give you a temporary rest from your work schedule. And then verse 6, uh, Pharaoh, instead of freeing and letting the, letting Israel go, he commands the, the taskmasters over the people and their fairmen uh, uh, and their foremen. Uh, Pharaoh is the one who has authority. 
if he, the, uh, Moses is trying to say that Pharaoh thinks. Verse 7, you are no longer to give the people straw to make brick as previously. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. What is Pharaoh trying to do to Israel? According to verse 7, what is he trying to do to them? Why does he do this? Why does he stop giving them straw? What's the purpose? Okay. Uh, okay. 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 What else? Discourage them. I'm sorry. Discourage them. Okay. Good. Complete them busy. Complete them busy, right? And uh, how would you look? You're, you're. How would you look if you're you're on the ground? You're on the ground the whole time looking for straw. How do you look? You, yeah, you look pathetic. You look weak. Uh, it's a way to what? Humiliate you. It's it's humiliating to now get your own straw. Um, and Pharaoh, he, he thinks he's God, so he, he thinks he has that, that right to do. Uh, verse 8, um, he says, because they are lazy, they are crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. So um, Pharaoh is just, he doesn't use the, the, the name Yahweh here, if you notice, in verse 8. They don't have a Yahweh. Um, Pharaoh is their authority. They're, they're making all of this up. Yahweh doesn't exist. Who is Yahweh? I don't know Yahweh. It's because they're lazy. Verse 9 uh Pharaoh continues, let their slavery be hard on the men. That that word, you see that word over and over, the Pharaoh hardened his heart. Uh, uh, Moses had a hard tongue. Uh, the word is uh, uh, sometimes translated uh, uh, glory or kavod, heavy, heavy. Here, here it is, the same word, heavy. Uh, Pharaoh is, is trying to steal glory from God. And then what is... What is kind of the, the the big insult in verse 9? What's the big insult by Pharaoh to God in verse 9? He calls God a liar. Right, he's saying, let them work so that they will have no regard for what? False words. God's word is false. It's a lie. It's trash. On every level, Pharaoh is opposed to Yahweh. On every level conceivable. Yahweh's words are lies, right? And isn't that what we hear every day today? Uh, this is the view of the unbeliever. When we tell them this is what God's word says, this is the word of God, they say, no, this is these are false words. Um, and this is kind of... Uh, from Exodus to, 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 to today, uh, Satan is blind, blinding, he's hardening sinners' hearts to, to, to make them think that God's words are lies, to keep them from, these are, these, God's word are lies to keep them from, uh, conforming to the expectations of the world. God's words are, are lies that keep you from enjoying your own life on your own terms. 
at this point, we have to ask, is this go, do you think this is going to work? Do you, does Pharaoh really think that he can stop God's people from fulfilling his, his plan for them? And he should know by now that, that the more, more you try to keep down the population, the, the, the bigger it, the bigger they grow. And he's making the, this Pharaoh's making the same mistake as earlier. In verses 10 through 14, Pharaoh continues to crush God's people. In verse 10, it says, The taskmasters of people and their foremen went out and spoke to the people, saying, Thus says Pharaoh, I am not going to give you any straw. What should they be saying? What, what should the taskmasters be saying? In verse 10. In verse 10, it says, Thus says Pharaoh, where have we heard a similar phrase in this chapter? Sorry? Yeah, in verse 1, thus says Yahweh, right? Thus says Yahweh. And here we, we see this battle of authority. Whose word will the people listen to? Will it be Yahweh's word or Pharaoh's word? Thus says Pharaoh. Thus says the word of Pharaoh. I'm not going to give you any straw. The emphasis, the emphasis is on what Pharaoh is going to do. Verse 11 and 12, uh, Pharaoh uh, instructs the taskmasters and the foreman to go out, and, 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 and this is what they say. You go and get straw for yourselves wherever you can find it, but no amount of your slave labor will, re, will be reduced. So the people scatter throughout all the land to gather, gather stubble for straw. I mean, this is humiliating work. What happens when you scatter a people? Time, what happens when you disperse a people? You, you kill a nation, right? So Pharaoh is trying to kill this nation. He's trying to undo Israel as a as a people group. Verses thirteen and fourteen. There, there's the the, the, the taskmaster taskmasters insist on the quota. Of, it was a practice, a normal practice, to keep detailed records of production. Any shortfall would be noticed. Uh, the foremen they have no power. They're beaten, and the foremen they uh, they're 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 suffering. They're being oppressed, and they they asked, and then they're asked again in fourteen, "Why have you not finished?" They're not be they're not able to keep the quota, and so in verse fifteen they 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 come to the the, the foremen of the sons of Israel. They come and it says they cried out to Pharaoh. They cried out to Pharaoh. Where did, where did you hear the hear that phrase before in Exodus? They cried out. They cried out. Yeah, they cried. So chapter two, chapter two, when the Egyptian, when the Israelites are being oppressed, it says in verse twenty three, chapter two. The sons of Israel sighed because of the slavery, and they cried out. No direct object. No direct object in chapter 2. Some of your translations have a direct object. That's not right. In the Hebrew, it's just, uh, they're, they're crying out to nobody. They're just, they're just crying in pain. And their cry for help. And 
And, and God hears their cry. He, he sees their suffering. And in response to his covenant, not to their prayers, because they're not crying out to him. They're not crying out to God. He, he intervenes. Here in chapter 5, there's a difference between the crying out. The, the, the four men of the sons of Israel, and we assume the people as well, they cry out to who? To Pharaoh. Before, they were just crying out. Uh, now they're just, now they're crying out to somebody specific. It's not the same verb as in verse uh, 23, chapter 2, but it, it the, the verbs rhyme, uh, rhyme. They rhyme. They look very similar. They, they're separated by one letter. And so they rhyme. And it just to, uh, Moses does this to uh, clue you in back to chapter 2. And he uses a different word. And it takes a preposition to emphasize. This time it's different. Before in chapter 2, they were crying out to nobody. This time, they're crying out to Pharaoh. And it shows you what? That Pharaoh's strategy is working. It, what, is, what else does it show you? It shows you, shows you that Pharaoh is trying to get God's people to convert to him. This is how wicked Pharaoh is. He, he, wants, he, he wants this to happen. He, he, he wants Israel to come to him and cry out for mercy, to cry out for, to plead for, for, for some type of respite, like, like you would to a God. This is all part of Pharaoh's plan to get God's people to convert to him. And it's working, right? Pharaoh is evil. He's, he's satanic. This is dark. And just how far does Israel capitulate to the pressure Pharaoh puts on them in verse 15? What, what really kind of shows you how low Israel has fallen in verse 15? What words show you that? If slaves, yeah. Why, why do you deal this way with your slaves? Pharaoh, we're your slaves. And that was, it's what, that's what this was about, whether you'll be slaves to Yahweh or Pharaoh. Um, verse 16, he, he says it twice. There's no straw given to your slaves. Yet, yet they keep saying to us, make bricks. And behold, your slaves are being beaten. We're your slaves, Pharaoh. Why would you do this to your people? We trust in you. We believe in you. This is humiliating language. This is desperation. Does, does Israel really believe? I don't think so. I don't think so. Oh, that word... Uh, there's that word beaten, it's used elsewhere in Exodus of God striking Egypt. And so Yahweh's treatment of the Egyptians will mirror how uh, Israel is treated in, in chapter 5 here. Uh, verse 17, uh, Pharaoh uses the name Yahweh uh, to, to show that Yahweh is nothing. He's, he's saying, look at he said, there's no Yahweh. You made up that name. That name, Yahweh, that's fake. You're lazy. You're lazy, lazy. Two times. He's not real. You, you just have all this time on your hands. and You just want to watch World Cup, you know, and you want to watch uh, Korea <laughs> beat uh, Portugal today like I did, being lazy. 
Uh, that's that's your problem. Verse 18, now go and labor. That, that's the word for slave. Go go and be my slaves. But straw will, my, but will not give, be given to you. Yet you must uh, deliver, you must deliver the quota of bricks. Uh, verses 19 through 21, uh, the four men of the sons of Israel, they, they saw that they were in trouble. And because they were told, you must not re- reduce your daily amount of bricks. And uh, guys, do, does, does Israel really believe? Yeah, they, they leave Pharaoh's presence. They confront Moses and Aaron. And they say to them in verse 21, yeah. I want to ask, why, why in uh, 17 is said that let us go and sacrifice to the Lord? Yeah, so, so, so Pharaoh is, is speaking to, uh, to, uh, to, to, to Israel, and he's saying, this story you made up about Yahweh's authority and power and word, you, you're just, it's just a lie. You're not telling the truth. You're just being lazy. You made up this story. This Yahweh doesn't exist. He's a figment of your imagination. You're lying. Yeah. He's quoting Moses verbatim to the Jewish people because he's driving a wedge between them. Yeah. Yeah. So, now they say in verse 21, um, may, may Yahweh look upon you and judge, for you have made us a foul smell in Pharaoh's sight. And in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to, to kill us. Verse 21, what's kind of backwards about verse 21? Why should Yahweh judge Moses and Aaron? Why should Yahweh... No reason. Yeah, but what what do they say the reason is? It made him stubborn. It made it didn't happen. I mean, they made him. They made him do something more specific than that. Yahweh should judge you because why? You made a distinction firm. Yeah. In other words. You made us look bad in front of Pharaoh and his servants. You made us uh, bring displeasure to the Almighty Pharaoh. We displeased. We we have we have failed Pharaoh because of you. We have displeased Pharaoh because of you. Right. And because we've we've uh, we've offended the glory and honor of Pharaoh, um, now would God judge you? Right now, may Yahweh be the instrument of Pharaoh. Right, like who cares what Pharaoh thinks? Who cares? Who cares what the standard of Pharaoh is? Who cares if they displeased? Pharaoh. And so, uh, 
they're 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 putting Pharaoh, they're putting Pharaoh up here. They're bringing Yahweh down here, and they're making Yahweh an instrument of Pharaoh's authority. There's this more of this absence of faith. Um, what does suffering do to, do, to, do to us? What does suffering do to, do to us with respect to God? Does it always bring doubt? Any lie of human, the other humans believe it or look for human authority or solution. Does it always do that? Does, does suffering always, always, for every person, does it bring doubt? What does James say in chapter 1? Right? Rejoice. Right? Um, did, when Stephen was being stoned to death and he was suffering, did it bring doubt? No. David said, if the Lord slay me, he Yeah. When Paul was suffering, did it bring doubt? No. Not always. Suffering just reveals what it's inside. What's inside? Suffering reveals inside. What's inside of you? Um, and oftentimes, when suffering draws out that doubt, what do we do? We we see it, we recognize it, and then we we try to grow our faith, don't we? We try to we read trusting God, Jerry Bridges, right? And we read the Psalms, and we what? We strengthen our faith. So first suffering reveals, but then suffering can strengthen. And then as suffering comes, it it just reveals what God has grown. See, suffering just reveals what's inside of you. In this case, chapter 4 ended with, oh, we believe, you know, we saw the signs. We saw the signs and wonders, we believe. It wasn't real. Chapter 5 is saying that's not a real faith. It's not a real faith. It's an empty faith. And, and you see that you, you see that word believe in, in the Gospel of John. Sometimes it's used to refer to real, real saving faith. Sometimes it's used to refer to fickle faith, uh, uh, empty faith, a faith by word uh, only. Verse nineteen, they they're, they're in they're in real trouble. Uh, that word is a is a really strong word. Normally translated evil, uh, catastrophe. Um, in verse 20 and 21 we're reminded that we, we, we live in the sight of God we don't care what Pharaoh thinks um, and, and the last question that this chapter answers is found in verses 22 and 23 and this is the question what do you think the question is? Does Moses believe? Does Moses have faith? Right? Let's let's see the answer. Moses returned to Yahweh and said, O Lord, why have you brought harm to this people? Why did you ever send me? I told you, I can't can't talk. Why did you send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done harm to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Uh, Why is this a really foolish... Uh, response on the part of Moses. Why is this really, really dumb? Beside it being showing just how weak Moses' faith here faith is, and, and we see just how 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 much he's struggling with his faith here. But just why why is it just a dumb question? 
Because go back to chapter three. Go back to chapter three. He said, You're, I'm going to send you to the king of Egypt, verse 18. And what did God say in verse 19 to Moses? But I know that the king of Egypt will not give you permission to go. He's not going to give you permission in the beginning. Yeah, God already told Moses what to expect. And here Moses is saying, well, why did you send me? What's going on? Right? When our faith is weak, we forget what his word has said to us, right? When our faith is weak, we, we, uh, we get spiritual amnesia. Um, and the miracle that God said would happen did not happen yet. Didn't happen yet, no. So it was just an impatience. No, 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 impatience. It yeah. Uh, expectations. Does, does God say that we're going to have an easy life? It's going to be easy for us? Is everything going to go smoothly? You know? No. And yet, we, we, we're the same way as Moses. What do we do? We, we say, why, God? Why is this happening to me? Well, he already told us. He tells us every Sunday in his word. He tells us every morning in his word um, that this is, this is how life is going to be. You know, it's interesting. I, you know, James was the first letter written in the New Testament. It's like the first written revelation to the, to the church in the New Testament. And what does he say? going to suffer. It's the first thing he says, you're going to suffer, but rejoice when it happens. Well, that's the first message he wants the church to hear. And we, 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 we forget it so often. God's timing only sometimes coincides with their expectations. And his idea of the hardships we need to go through only sometimes co- coincides with our idea of how much we can take. And uh, Moses is going to have to learn what all believers are going to have to learn for themselves. That God will keep his promise, but we'll have to uh, be patient in the process and wait for that promise.